0: Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Greg Peterson here, and welcome to the 282nd episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where three days a week we work together educating and inspiring you to become part of your food revolution. Growing plants that thrive in your yard is a lot easier than you think. It starts with saving your own seeds and letting them remember what they already learned. Just text SEEDS to 33444 or visit IWantToSaveSeeds.com and you will receive our free webinar about why seeds matter, why saving them is easy, and how to save your own. Today on our podcast, we have someone who is busy with bees. We're talking to Stephanie Elson Bruneau about benevolent bees. Stephanie is a beekeeper, herbalist, and artist. She runs the Benevolent Bee, where she spends her time educating all about bees. At Benevolent Bee, Teaching Apiary, Stephanie observes, learns, and teaches about bees and bee behavior to students of all ages. She also teaches classes about bees and their products at Northwestern University, the Cambridge Center for Adult and Community Education, the Morris Arboretum of the University of Pennsylvania, the Boston School of Herbal Studies, and Temple University. She is also the author of the aptly named book titled The Benevolent Bee. Welcome to the show today, Stephanie.
1: Thanks so much, Greg. I'm so happy to be speaking with you today, and thanks so much for your interest in the Benevolent Bee.
0: Oh, absolutely, and I'm always excited to talk about bees because they're so important.
1: Awesome, me too.
0: (laughs) So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today?
1: Yeah, sure thing. So I've been interested in the natural world uh, since, since I was a kid. I grew mm-hmm. up in Philadelphia, which is obviously an urban environment, but there's oh, a yeah. real healthy amount of of natural spaces and natural wilds here in Philadelphia too. So it's got a really fantastic balance of of a, a natural world and an and an urban environment. And of course, bees are everywhere. They're they are in urban environments as much as they are in rural environments.
2: Uh-huh. Um, and
1: in some cases, and we can talk about this, uh, urban environments are often better for bees and other pollinators because of the diversity of flowering plants and street trees and front and backyards and community gardens and everything. So we can get into that more. But there were bees all around when I was a kid. And I just grew up playing in, in the Fairmount Park system in Philadelphia, which is, I think, maybe the second largest urban park in the country. So I've always wow. been interested and kind of drawn to, to the woods here in Philadelphia, and um, just in, in general, we did a, a great amount of camping and, and exploring outside when I mm-hmm. was little, kind of following my interests. So I always had kind of a dormant, uh, a real active interest in the natural world, and then, and, you know, a little subcurrent of interest in bees my whole life. And I was working uh, after college, after grad school actually, Um, I went to school for environmental policy and planning, ended up in the Boston area working for the Massachusetts Audubon Society, which is a fantastic organization that does land conservation in Massachusetts. And I saw a sign, uh, this is about just 10 years ago, uh, on a farm next to the Mass Audubon headquarters. That was a little sign at the, the front, you know, post mailbox of a of a farm, that there would be a beekeeping class offered, and this is something that was had oh. always been an, an interest to me. But seeing the yeah. sign posted right next to my work, it was like <laughs> uh, it was like a flash of a flash of lightning. <laughs> I just knew yeah. that I would. It was my opportunity to really learn about bees in a deeper way. And
0: nice.
1: So I took the class, and the the first class, I just it was just has was so it was like a little spark lit up inside of me and you know people always ask me why bees and i just think about you know a question i always have for a, a musician who plays a certain instrument you know someone who plays the oboe or someone who plays the clarinet so how do you choose that instrument and i think um you know or or a painter that has a love for a certain medium
2: right you know
1: if we're lucky we we are exposed to the instrument, or the medium, or the the the, the our our muse, the the right. this thing that speaks to us in the world in this deep way, and just like maybe an, a musician who plays the oboe first heard the oboe or first picked up that instrument and it felt so right in his or her hands in that first beekeeping class, I just kind of knew that this was was a deeper interest and there was a deeper resonance for me there with bees than um than anything else so it was just a real strong connection i went home after the first class and kind of uh uh, you know i'd taken copious notes i i kind of shared all of my notes and all of my excitement and passion with my husband who Mm -hmm. kind of was a really great listener and and that became our the way we, we kind of ended up taking the class together. So I oh, would wow. it was a, t- a series of 10 classes, and I would ta- take the class, take copious notes, and come home mm-hmm. and kind of and, talk and through it. the entire class yeah. together. We ended up getting one beehive, and we lived in a second-floor apartment in an urban area of Boston, uh, but we did have a small shared backyard. And that next spring, we <laughs> set up our first beehive in our shared uh, backyard wow. of our rented apartment and then cool. the, it, we loved it our downstairs neighbor was, uh, was open to it and our landlord uh-huh. lived out of state so <laughs>
0: <it worked. laughs> he, did, he or she didn't know anything about it
1: exactly so then we the next year we had two hives then the next year we had three hives then we had uh, you know we installed an observation hive on the wall of our living room which we still have we've carried that with us uh, this past wow. 10, 10 years so it yeah. became clear that this was a little bit more than could be fit into our, the backyard of our rental. <laughs> so yeah.
0: I want to stop you here because my listeners know that I like to call out epic moments. Yeah. And <laughs> what you just shared was an epic life-changing moment. Yeah. Was it not? Yeah. And I love how you compared it to an artist picking their medium or to a a musician picking their their instrument and that really interestingly that fits for me because when I was younger I just picked what I do this was literally 40 years ago and I don't I can't even tell you how or why I picked it but it was just there for me to choose and it sounds to me like that's exactly what happened for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was kind of an epic moment, so there's, you know, there's a, an, a, a low-lying interest in bees as part of an interest in the natural world yeah. in my whole life, and then I was just drawn to this class, and and it was your, it, that's the perfect way to put it, it was an epic moment, where I just yeah. sat in the class and felt just turned on um, in mm-hmm. this way, that, where there was like a little light that turned on inside of me, and I yeah. just knew that it would be a light that I had to let shine forever. And that's really what drives me, is just this passion and interest for the creature of the bee. You know, some people get into beekeeping for the honey. Some people,
2: right.
1: you know, for, for different reasons. To me, it's just, it's my, keeping bees is my, it's it's my instrument of choice. So when I'm with right. the bees, I feel happy. I feel nice. hopeful. I feel mm-hmm peaceful and at ease and i just feel like i'm in the right place and 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 other beekeepers i think feel the same way when you think about how you might feel surrounded by 10 twenty 10, thousand bees, bees? <laughs> yeah. you wouldn't expect to feel just calm and peaceful perhaps but that is mm-hmm. exactly exactly how i feel so yeah it was an epic moment um And eventually we, you know, I just, it just kept growing. The more I learned about bees, the more, the more I wanted to learn. And, and that's still true. So, and it, and I, it feels a little bit like there's a ball rolling and I just keep following that ball and, and seeing where it goes next. And the book is just one place that the ball has, has rolled for me. Yeah. Yeah, we ended up moving our hives to the Boston Nature Center. It is a, another, a mass Audubon property. It's a protected natural area within the city of Boston. They hosted our bees along with some mm. other
2: nice. uh,
1: hives that, we, that I set up with some, some other beekeepers in Boston as a teaching apiary where beekeepers of different skill levels could come and learn from each other and keep bees in the same shared space and uh, and that's still ongoing there and and uh with some friends we we started an urban bike tour of of different apiaries in and around the Boston oh, nice. Area. and that's still ongoing the first year we had you know 25 attendees the next year we had 50 the next year we had 75 and then for the past several years there's been over 140 uh wow. bikers uh going <laughs> from hive to hive in the city of Boston and it's just been fabulous. So my husband got a job in Philadelphia, which is fabulous because that's where my family, my my parents still live and where I grew Mm -hmm. up. So, and as I talked about earlier in the program, it's a place where it's really, you know, a heart home for me. So we moved our family and also our bees on a big truck down to Philadelphia just two years ago. And uh, that was a, an epic adventure, loading oh, the bees in a truck with two children and, <laughs> and a dog. And right. uh, uh, we found a new home for our bees at the West Laurel Hill Cemetery, just outside oh. the Philadelphia city limits. So that's where we keep most of our hives now, and then we have some other hive locations in the city. We, on the rooftop of my children's elementary school, which is also mm-hmm. the school that I went to when I was a... Little oh, nice. girls is wow. a beautiful school with a creek and a natural environment, and I love going there and working with the kids in the nursery. The hive is on top of the, the preschool building, uh-huh. so it's three, three years old, four years old, and five years old, and I have extra bee suits and love to go up onto the Whoa. roof with the kids.
0: Wow. Your, your story just keeps getting more epic.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just growing, and I, my, what I have done with the book and also just in beekeeping in general, that light that I described kind of shining for me about bees, the, my driving force with the benevolent bee is just to share my passion with others, and so that's, I just love talking about bees, and uh, you I can know, tell. Yeah. So, so I love it. And I love working with kids and bees and something wonderful that I've found is everyone seems to have the same questions, whether they're three or 30 or 70, (laughs) you know, it's that the, the, the way that I find that I speak about bees is the same to all ages. And that's something that I find really special and fun. Yeah. The same, the same wonder the same questions come from all age groups so right. that's been really fun cool. so yeah and I also have a hive on top of our local food co-op here in oh, Philadelphia nice so.
2: yeah cool.
0: you've mentioned your book a couple of times so I want to dive in and look at it a little bit it's called the benevolent bee capture the bounty of the hive through science history home remedies and craft Tell me about the book and who's the publisher? Let's start there because I always like to do a shout out to the publisher.
1: Sure. Yeah. the The publishing company is Quarry Books. It's a, mm-hmm. fa- a fabulous um, company. I loved working with uh, with the team there. They have uh, a, also a, a fantastic art editor, and the the book is is um, is beautiful. I'm so happy with the way it, it came out, and that's uh, oh, yeah, it's a beautiful book. The, it's due to the the fabulous team at Quarry.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so yeah something I love about bees and working with bees is how it you know a beekeeper has to touch on so many different fields so Mm -hmm. if you are working with bees you have to know a little bit about the biology of the honeybee to know what's normal and what's not normal in your hive right you also have to know a little bit about botany because you have to know about what plants are flowering at different times right. and kind of mm-hmm. keep track of the nectar flows and you know you you look at what pollen is coming in and think about where the pollen is coming from so there's a little bit of botany and there's also a little bit of you know of culinary expertise that comes in because you end up if you if you keep bees and you keep them mm. many hives, you end up with whether you want it or not, and I've actually heard of some people stopping beekeeping because they can't deal with the honey production <laughs> piece wow. of it. You have to deal with the honey. Bees do consume honey it's their it's their food source, it's their source of of energy and carbohydrates for in the hive. But you can harvest extra, the excess that's produced by the hive, and you, you kind of have to actually because they can get honey bound where a hive has oh, too wow. much honey and the queen doesn't have enough space to lay her eggs. So honey is a, is a byproduct of beekeeping. So you are, end up having honey that you can taste and cook with and, and enjoy in, in a myriad of ways. And, and
0: use on French toast.
1: And use on French toast, and use Woo-hoo! to make uh, herbal cough syrup, and, yeah, and oh in yes. and so many other things. So there's so many different fields that a beekeeper touches in her beekeeping endeavors. So there's uh-huh. also beeswax is a is a byproduct right. of the honey mm-hmm. extraction process, and then and that's what happened with me. I ended up with I ended up accumulating some beeswax, and I've always been interested in in crafts projects and doing things myself and doing things with my hands. And I, I started experimenting with simple beeswax candles and getting into that a little bit. And, and that was, you know, was wonderful and fun for me too. So there's also, I started reading about the history of bee products and how bee products like honey and beeswax and the other products of the honey bee hive, pollen and propolis, royal jelly, and, and mm. even bee venom have been mm-hmm. used by civilizations throughout history, so there's there's a little bit of history that a beekeeper uh, that that fits into the beekeeping uh, endeavor, and also a little bit of science. So that's something I love about beekeeping is how many uh-huh. fields it you dabble in in yep. the in your in your uh, hobby, and mm-hmm. uh, so that's that I've tried to kind of incorporate all of those
0: different touch
1: on all of those different fields in the book
0: when I was a little bit younger about 10 years ago I went back to school late in life and I got my degree in interdisciplinary studies where I studied plant biology sociology and urban planning
2: perfect
0: yeah yeah they call it interdisciplinary and really what you've shared with everybody is something that is very interdisciplinary and you can't just know one thing you have to Get a, a, at least a basis for all of it in order to keep bees. It sounds like
1: exactly, yeah. In order to be a good beekeeper and in order to t- really take advantage of of everything that that beekeeping has to offer, you you really it is really an interdisciplinary hobby. Well said.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about bee stings? Because I know that there's people out there. We we don't keep bees here at the urban farm. The urban farm, by the way, is a third of an acre right in the middle of Phoenix. So I've got plenty of space to keep bees, but, you know, one of our neighbors is deathly afraid of bees. So right. what do we, you know, how do we address that? And is there anything there?
1: So, yes, I would love to talk about sting because actually I am one of those very few unlucky people who are, who who is highly allergic to stings. And I am oh actually my myself highly allergic to stings and I talk about this in the book. So I did not start my adventures in beekeeping, knowing that I was highly allergic to stings, but Mm -hmm. I did find out a few years into the hobby, and um, it was too late for me. I had already had my epic moments and already kind of had that light turned on inside of myself and knew that uh, keeping bees was a passion for me. Um, And it also happened right as we were moving to Philadelphia, and we were moving for my husband's job, and um, I had at that point left my job at Mass Audubon to uh, be home with our kids, so keeping bees was really my my thing, my outlet that let me mm-hmm. feel you know centered uh, in myself separate from my my responsibilities with my family, and I really really didn't want to give up the that passion and that hobby, especially as we were moving to a new place for my partner's job. So right. I started under I consulted an allergist who said that I could undergo venom therapy which was what? getting stung intentionally once a week at increasing amounts to build up my body's resistance to bee stings and this is is very similar to how other allergies are, are treated by wow. allergy shots. So you might have heard someone who has a strong allergy to cats be getting allergy shots or something of that right. nature. So yeah. it's called venom immunotherapy, and, and it was really successful for mm-hmm. me. I am now no longer allergic to bee stings, although I did have that strong reaction. And something to note when you're talking about bee stings is that it's it's not very common. It's very common... To have a reaction to a sting, mm-hmm. it is a venom, and just like a mosquito bite, you're you you know you it's a, it's yeah. something that your body's not familiar with that causes right. a, a bump and a, and a reaction, yeah. and it uh-huh. can be a significant bump and a significant reaction in that it hurts when it happens. I think also often the surprise causes the pain to feel stronger than mm. it mm-hmm. than it would now when I'm stung at. You know, I, intentionally, the sting that I receive is, is the equivalent of two bee stings at once. And I'm kind of a wimp, and it, adds, and it hurts, but it doesn't really right. hurt. And I think that's right. because I'm, I know it's coming, and so I just grin and bear it, and then it's fine. The itch of a sting is actually worse than the sting worse itself. Than... Yeah, and the surprise of a sting. But, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, reactions, real allergic reactions to bee stings are less common than peanut allergies oh. here in the US. So, right. it's not very it's not very common to be to have a serious reaction to a sting and many people right. see, are are more afraid than they need to be. Actually, mm-hmm. you know, having young kids, I'm really aware of how often bees are thought of or how often wasps and other stinging insects like hornets
2: mm-hmm. Right.
1: And yellow jackets, which are a type of wasp, are, are thought to be bees. You know, if you go into any children's book and you look at a picture of beehive, you uh-huh. will see, nine times out of ten, a picture of an, a round nest hanging from a tree. And that is not a, bees, a that's beehive. Not a beehive. It's a bees. No, it's and not. And not a beehive, that's, a, that's a, a bald-faced hornet nest, you know, right. hanging from a tree made out of paper. So, or, or a paper wasp nest, so it's, it's not a beehive. Um, bees make their hives inside of tree cavities and not hanging like that, and I think that that misrepresentation of what is a bee and what's not a bee is, right. uh, from, from our, the time of our uh, early learning You know, carries through with us, and we, we think of, of wasps and yellow jackets and, and hornets as bees and really that they're, they're not they're a different they're creature not, altogether yeah. and much more aggressive honeybees are actually quite gentle especially honeybees that are out visiting flowers are, uh-huh. are, are 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 the forager bees their job is to collect nectar and pollen and bring the nectar and pollen back to the hive and they are not interested in you unless you're a flower <laughs> so unless oh, you you squish a bee accidentally, or step on one, or you know, or swat one with your hand, it's not going to sting you. Um, and, it, and if a bee stings you, it dies. So it really doesn't right. want to sting you. So even the bees, when you are a beekeeper, you you know obviously go into the hive to check on. the the health of the hive and see how the hive is doing. And there are a certain number of bees in every hive whose job it is to guard the hive. They're guard bees. It's only a few Mm -hmm. hundred bees in each hive that are of a certain age and their responsibility at that age is to guard the hive. Mm -hmm. Very few bees in each hive. And those are the only bees that you have to really be worried about. And even they don't want to sting you. They'll if you're a beekeeper, you know what I mean. But they'll just kind of dive bomb your face, <laughs> your
2: uh-huh.
1: bee veil, and just, they won't sting you, but they'll try to say, hey, I know you're here and I want you to go away. Um, right. But they won't, even those guard bees, when you're opening up the hive to go into the hive, which is really, you know, kind of breaking and entering into their home, even exactly. they won't sting. They'll just try to, to bother you mm-hmm. enough that you will go away.
0: How do you address this with the people that you're teaching to? Well, and that's actually the case that people are there because they want to be there because they want to learn. Let me go yeah. take it a step further as well. How do you address this with uh, just people in the general public?
1: Yeah, well, I think I do a lot of talking about how gentle bees are and how they're mm. really non-aggressive creatures who really don't want to die. They, You know, they, they when a bee stings you, the stinger has a barb and it sticks into into your body, and when the bee flies away, the stinger and the abdomen rip off, and so the, right. the bee doesn't want that to happen, so they don't want to sting you. So I do a lot of talking about how gentle bees are and also mm. their importance to our agricultural systems and our... You know, local plant life, and just kind of build up the, the, you know, try to paint a different picture of the misunderstood bee as, right. as an important and gentle creature, whereas, you know, the common perception is that it, they're something to be scared of and frightened of right. and aggressive. So I do a lot of that. And then with the, you know, I also show a lot of pictures of my kids and the kids at the Miquan School nursery where I keep the bees on the roof. I, I, take, I show pictures of the kids, you know, keeping the bees, the hive, that hive with me. Those kids have done have, have been with me almost every time I've opened up the hive on, on the roof of the school building there. And there's, you know, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, and five-year-olds that, you know, are wearing bee, you know, bee protective bee equipment but <laughs> maybe no gloves nice. who are like watching the bees you know, crawl gently on their hand. And, and, you know, the, it's, they're really, it's a beautiful, peaceful activity, beekeeping. And I think you just have to experience it yourself to realize that it's actually not a frightening, (laughs) a a frightening thing to undertake. So bees are misunderstood and big time. Yeah, they're, they're misunderstood and they're important. And it's, and I do a lot of talking about that, and then also there's protective clothing, so people who are really afraid or who are allergic can wear the protective clothing and be safe and then there's also you know there's there's all we live in in a place where you can take an antihistamine <laughs> and yeah, exactly. it's an allergy, so it's it's but it's not a a huge deal. For most people and then there are those people who know that they really are severely allergic and if you're crazy like me you can ungo- undergo treatment for that <laughs> <laughs> right? or you can just stay away but most of the yeah. time you know people are often I teach a lot of beekeeping classes you know how to keep these in your backyard and people are always asking about the neighbors and I always say a small gift of honey goes a long way it goes and, a long um, way and yep. it's true so and also just then becoming a bee ambassador to your neighbors. So to, so, mm-hmm. just talking about the same things I've been talking about, how important bees are to our agricultural systems and how gentle they can be. And, you know, yeah. in general – most, in most cases, neighbors are fascinated and love, you know, love the pollination benefit of the hive next door, love the occasional gift of honey, and love the ability to kind of learn about this fascinating creature by looking out their window and seeing a hive next door. So nice. nine nice, times out of nice, ten, nice. It's, it's a fabulous thing for right. neighbors and yeah. something that they're, they end up appreciating, whether they knew it initially or not.
0: Right. So I have a couple more things for you, and then I want to shift. So first of all, tell me about your website. It's a beautiful website.
1: Thank you. Yeah, the website is an outgrowth of my desire to share my passion for mm-hmm. bees and beekeeping to others. So I, I have some you know, information about bees and, and some amazing facts about bees and bee products on the website and also, in the past, I have just had honey and other bee products for sale. there candles and um, herbal balms and salves that are Beautiful. made of the beeswax that I harvest from the hives.
0: Cool. So the website is thebenevolentbee.com. That's a great exactly. URL, by the way. The, the other thing yeah. I wanted to just make a comment on as we've been kind of chatting for the past 30 minutes is that I always love it when us urbanites, those of us that are from the city, because I I grew up in the fifth largest city in the country, Phoenix, and I've been here for 50 years. And I always love it when we get hooked on nature in the city. And that clearly happened for you.
1: Yeah, I think that Connecting urban kids to the natural world is something that's really a passion of mine. And um, just like you, my my background is in science and society. So that was Mm -hmm. actually when I was in college, I also had an interdisciplinary major, which was uh, a science and a social science. It was called the oh, Science nice. and Society program at Wesleyan oh, University, and nice. um, it was really, you know, a passion of mine, and and super interesting to think about how we understand science in the natural world, and especially environmental science in urban areas. So, yeah, I used to live in New York City, uh, the ultimate mm-hmm. urban environment, and did uh, I worked for the New York City Park System and did some. Um, education with kids there and was really amazed to see how many kids didn't realize that they were on an island, <laughs> that Manhattan right. an Island. And yeah. so, yeah, I think there's a real disconnect in urban areas or there can be between, you know, our, our daily lives and the natural mm-hmm. world. And Beautiful. that's exactly what you're getting to with an urban farm. So just mm-hmm. connecting urban dwellers city dwellers to their the sources of their food and to be able to eat an apple and think about the tree and also to eat an apple and think about the pollinator that visited the apple flower that that was responsible for the creation of the fruit um, that we're enjoying so for me beekeeping is really a part of that and you know, sharing my passion is really a part of that. So yeah. every time I do an educational workshop, I always mm-hmm. bring, you know, an apple and a flower oh, and right, uh, right, a exactly. wax and a jar of honey and kind of linking that all together, especially for kids in an urban environment, feels mm-hmm. really meaningful to me. Yeah. So, yeah. Beautiful.
0: So, Stephanie's book is The Benevolent Bee, Capture the Bounty of the Hive Through Science, History, Home Remedies, and Craft. And uh, you can find out about that at her website and our show notes page. So, I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to share about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it.
1: Great. Well, I would love to talk about a time that, uh, or I'll call the, uh, the failure, my beekeeping Business. <laughs> it actually, oh, wow. yeah, it wasn't real, a, a true failure in that I did have a successful business and I still do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, for me, the business part of the Benevolent Bee was a failure because I learned that I didn't really enjoy it. <laughs> so,
2: oh, um, I, got it. yeah,
1: I've kind of followed yep. my hobby mm-hmm. of beekeeping into into a small business. And I loved the experience of creating a business. So going through the, the process of getting an EIN number and, and learning how to file business taxes and setting up a website and, and doing all those things. It was really empowering learning the process and being able to set up a business. But what I realized is that the joy I get from gifting honey and from being creative with making new products uh-huh. is much greater than the joy mm. I get from receiving a payment for an item that yeah. I have to you know, quickly go into the basement to my candle making area and pour candles to fill an order. That, that I receive online yeah. and then rush to the post office to send it off. I love the connection with the person who is purchasing the product. But to mm-hmm. me, what I realized for myself was that I wasn't enjoying the, the business. The business
0: part of it. Yeah, the business completely part of it. That. And I yeah. think that
1: this is something that maybe happens to people who follow their passion into a small business is that the business piece of it is – is less <laughs> is less fun right. than the hobby piece of it, and kind of weighing those benefits is you know sometimes is a little tricky so
0: yeah, interestingly, I've pretty much done the same thing with the urban farm, so my hobby is growing food and right. we grow food I grow, I grow food for us here at the house, and yeah. we share it with some people, but really what I do is I'm an educator, and it sounds right. to me like so are you.
1: Yes. And I love the beekeeping classes and meeting new yeah. people and talking yeah. like you and I are talking right now. That right. to me is engaging and inspiring and creative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love coming up with new this new candle molds. There's a real creative process, and that I talk about in the book. I describe how to create your own uh, unique candle mold with step-by-step instructions, um, wow. and that's a really fun process for me. But then what was happening is I was selling beeswax candles online. And the, an order would come in for, you know, five sets of of beeswax tapers. And the pouring of the candles, it's a beautiful act. But um, on demand for a customer, <laughs> right, it's less exactly. of a creative act. There's less of that joy of the hobby uh-huh. um, in, yeah. fulfill, in filling that order. And so for you, you, you turned your hobby into a business and every interview, there's that spark of uh, something new and a new personal
2: connection with
1: someone doing something new. But to me, pouring the same candles, it was, you know, repetitive. The creative, engaging part of the process was removed for me in a way that I I stopped enjoying. So I got you found what you love that I really enjoy. <laughs> and, right,
0: you found you found um, what you love. That's great. Yeah,
1: I found what I love, and I can uh, now I'm keeping my hobby as a hobby for the most part. Aside yeah. from you know, the parts that I do really love, which are the the educational workshops and, yep. and um and working with kids and writing articles and of course the book, the benevolent bee.
0: So, what do you consider yeah. your biggest success?
1: So I think my biggest success might be this one time when I went up to the roof of the the elementary school where I keep the bees
2: mm-hmm.
1: with a group of kids and my daughter Clara, who's now five, and she she's was wearing a sundress and no shoes. I can't get shoes on my daughter no <laughs> matter how hard I try. Um, Amen
0: to I often, that. I, I'm yeah, barefoot right now. I carry now.
1: them with me, <laughs> you know, and her. You know, I follow her with the, her shoes in my bag, and and they then return to the house still in my bag. Right. <laughs> I have mm-hmm. to often have them with me when I'm out with her, but very rarely are they actually on her feet. So she had no shoes on and we were on the roof of the school building together and we were with a bunch of kids and she said, "Oh, I don't really I don't need a bee veil." <laughs> she has no fear of bees whatsoever and such a healthy interest in in the natural world and bees and, you know, it's so much incidental learning that goes on with bees where she can watch the colors of the pollen on the bees' legs and connect that the that pollen that she's seeing with the plant down the that wow. she saw blooming down the street. She's only five years old, so I oh think that one time when she was in the sundress and shoeless on the roof loaning her bee suit to a friend because she didn't need a, a and you know and she's she <laughs> became kind of is empowered as the educator to her friend right. group, her five year old friend group. So for me, the biggest nice. success is raising kids who have this confidence in. Who share my passion is raising right. kids who share my passion and, and watching that passion come out and watching you know, them feel confident and um, engaged in the natural world in, in a way that, that I am and that really excites me. That that feels really deeply satisfying to me. Of course, I'd love them also if they were into computer programming, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they're yeah. not. And to me, that's really uh, wonderful to watch them share my interests.
0: Yeah. And what drives you?
1: What What drives me, I think, is just this. Uh, passion for the for the creature of the bee. And bees are so phenomenal. When I the more I learn about them, the more their their life cycle and the sounds like science fiction, but it's really science fact. You know the way that a queen bee is genetically identical to the worker bees in the hive, except
2: she. Mm-hmm
1: lives for three to five years instead of, you know, three to five weeks, which is the average lifespan of a worker bee um, in the summer months. Yeah, all because she's fed royal jelly, which is this bee excretion Mm -hmm. that the worker bee is fed from the time that she's an egg through her life. So she's genetically identical to the other bees in the hive, but she's fed this special substance and and so has this completely different physiology and set of behaviors. And and isn't that just wow. doesn't that just sound like science fiction? It but does it's absolutely. And there's so many more, you know, little bits of trivia about bees that are exactly like that. So yeah. what drives me is the creature of the bee, which is it's just such a, a fascinating, mm. awe-inspiring element of our natural world. And yeah. and the more I learn, the more engaged I am.
0: Nice. So, if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why?
1: Yeah, so that's a really great question. I think I'm going to mention the book that I'm reading right now, <laughs> which is <laughs> is is the one that's coming to my head right away. It's a really fabulous uh, new publication that's called Recipes from an Herbalist's Kitchen. Oh, um, I think it's Story Press. Uh huh. Is the publisher and similar to the benevolent bee. It's a it's a book that contains recipes, but also contains you know what I what I'm finding to to feel like poetry about the elements described in the recipes. So it's a uh, written by an herbalist Brittany Wood Nickerson, and she has a love for the natural world, as do I, and her love for Plants and the use of plants in in health, in nutrition, and as medicine, you know, sh- shines through her writing right. and informs her her recipes, uh, recipes from an herbalist's kitchen. And I was just reading, you know, one recipe. The the intro to each of the recipes is
2: full uh-huh. of
1: just kind of ramblings, but it, that feel like poetry that that lead into mm-hmm. a, a really surprisingly delicious and nutritious recipes. So I would highly recommend that book.
0: Beautiful. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners?
1: To find and follow your passion in life. (laughs) So it's been so, so fun for me. I feel so lucky to have discovered beekeeping as, as my passion in life. And I feel very lucky to have had the opportunity to find and follow this passion. And I think as much as we can, we should I guess maybe, you know, you, you can be lucky and have teachers and parents who help you find and, and follow that passion. So maybe the advice is to help the, to help the children in your life find and follow mm. their passions. With, yeah. Isn't that maybe the better advice or, mm-hmm. or a complementary piece of advice? <laughs> so if, we, if we were all able to do that, if we all had had adults in our life that helped us find and follow our passions, how different the world might be
0: amen to that yeah so thank you so much for joining us on the show today, thank Stephanie. you so
1: much greg it's a pleasure speaking with you i really uh, appreciate the time that we had together and and um, admire the work you're doing with the urban farm
0: well thank you thank you so how can our listeners get a hold of you
1: through the website which is the And you'll find my contact information there. And I love talking about bees and would be happy to answer any questions that any listener has and follow up individually with with anyone. Perfect. Would be great fun for me.
0: Yeah, great. So there you go. There's an invitation, everybody that's listening. (laughs) So you can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash benevolent bees. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Growing plants that thrive in your yard is a lot easier than you think. It starts with saving your own seeds and letting them remember what they already learned. Just text SEEDS to 33444 or visit IWantToSaveSeeds.com and you will receive our free webinar about why seeds matter, why saving them is easy, and how to save your own.
1: We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast.